0: Welcome to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Needham with you for the next hour as we discuss and dissect everything Montreal Impact. We've got a busy show for you lined up. Right now, we'll start by jumping right into it, Grant. What's going on? Not much, Joey. Uh, Finally,
1: looks like spring has come to Montreal. No more snow, no more snowstorms driving in, so uh, good signs and better signs. Montreal Impact, get back in the winning ways. 2-0 win. Against uh, a tough Columbus team that they really sort of shut down on Saturday night. Two of the highest, you know, scoring offensive guys. You got Higuain, you got Kamara. Montreal did a fantastic job. Obviously, Defender of the Year Simo steps up and has a monster game.
0: Cabrera right beside him. He's been fantastic in the beginning of the season. So a great result on the weekend. So we'll be talking to Paul Tenorio, who's the sideline reporter for the uh, Chicago Fire. On uh, CSN Chicago broadcasts, and we'll also touch base with uh, Grant's good friend, Mr. Rick Moffitt. Why are you You're looking friend. at me like. Friend. We have to? Well, yes, we do have to. He's a huge part of the broadcast, and we have to <laughs> He I, is the biggest I part said of the broadcast. Ha- Wait one well, while. Well, well, we're besides not going to get of the sideline reporters. Yes. I'll give you that. <laughs> this show's off the rails. But you're listening to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Nita, Marco Polo on the board. Uh, Grant, you said it. It was my first time, obviously, like you, in 2016, seeing Columbus up close. I'm not going to lie. bit disappointed by by what I saw. I was expecting much more from them coming into this year. I think I had them winning the East. But, listen, credit to Montreal. Sticking with it. I didn't love the first half for Montreal, but they managed to stay in it, score the two goals in the second half, and get another three points.
1: Well, the thing is, I, I wasn't... Overly impressed with either team. I thought that Montreal did a great job defensively. Shut down Kamara to the point where they subbed out Kamara at the end. This is a guy that was last year was lethal for this team. Higuain, guy moves all over the park. I thought the midfield did a very good job keeping track of where he is. Not chasing him all over the field and getting stretched out. So defensively, I thought Montreal was good. The only problem I have is you're at home. You're playing a defensive style and trying to catch teams on the counterattack. First two games of the season, and I'm going to keep harping on those first two games because they looked explosive. You had Montreal dominating possession, not just in the defensive third, middle third, in the attacking third. You don't see that anymore from Montreal. They rely on the quick counter-attack. Yes, they have the guys to do that. But I expect if you're going to be a championship team, you've got to be able to dictate the rhythm and the pace of a game. Montreal comes away with a 2-0 win. Columbus Two points in five games, that's a team that's really struggling after last year's great run for them. But I think that Montreal still has more to offer.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And again, Grant, it comes down to what was clicking the first two weeks. Piatti was on. Piatty was really on. Ah,
1: you say that. He I still on, think Piatti was. was good last game. I think he, he was, was good last game. He was better last game than the game before. I'll give yes, you that. He yes. was better. The first two games, everything he touched went into the basket. It, it, was... it was It was. It was it. You know, Pandem, the MVP. I still think he's the best player in the league from my point of view. He's attacking. Oof. He's dangerous. He I mean, goes one know. on one. He, listen, he's up. Name there for me, me another guy who's better one on one in the league.
0: Listen, Jovico, Actually, Jovico's I'll even give you bad. another one. Give me a guy that's better 1v2 in the league. Listen, I think uh, for me, you asked me to build a team. I'm taking Jovinko all day. See, I'm, I, I don't know if I would take. I'm taking Avinco. Jovinko all day because I just think he's more consistent. He's more dangerous. Well, throw week another to name week in there, Dragba. Do you build around Dragba? Uh, I mean, do I have to win one game? You've or, got to build a team, you said. Well, I know, but the age difference... I mean, they're not at the same level. No, you know, I not agree, but what I'd level. do is if I, was, if I was a team... You know, look, look at Montreal's luxury
1: of Montreal. We're talking about Piatti. Is he the best player versus a Giovinco? No, he's great... Like, Listen, you know what? So that's a, great, t- that's a great That's a great player. argument to have. You've got the defender of the year. Simo, for me, is still lights out the best defender of the year. You've got a keeper that makes key saves. I thought Bush was much better this game. Didn't make those sort of small detail mistakes that cost him the other time. And then, of course... You've now got the legend Drogba coming back into the game, training for the first right. couple of times on grass. We might see him in Chicago. I don't know how much he's going to play. You know, for me, I hope he actually starts because they need a different dimension if they're going to be dangerous. Right. Uh, I, I
0: don't know if he's there, Grant. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's there yet. I was at training today. Um, he looks good. It's good that he's there because he's good. I know in French they say "c'est bon pour la morale," and it, it Drogba is, no, is I, good for team morale. Team really morale is.
1: having him around. Exactly. But if he's going to give you. 20 to 30 minutes, you start him on the bench. But if he yes. can go 50, 60 minutes... I just need 50 grand. I don't need more than that. Do you know what? If you're even going to go a half, you play him in the first half. You don't bring him on or if you're going to make that sub, you make the sub right away at halftime. You don't wait and just bring him right. in the last 20 minutes. I think that he needs more of a run than 20 minutes. We saw what 20 minutes does in Dallas. Not really. that you It know, gets on, gets a couple of opportunities. Yeah. Didn't have an opportunity. Didn't really get a grasp of the game. I want him to get into the rhythm of the game. Have him play with a piatti on the out outside a ship setting him up the danger of, of set pieces of everything aerial attack it's different with Drogba
0: oh he bring uh, energy for sure you know DJ is a uh, leadership I heard a lot of things uh, beside the team but uh, we know how what he bring every day and we know that he's involved and he wants to, us to to win every time before the game uh, every time he called me and he asked me to bring the energy to the group that's a Montreal Impact defender Hasun Kamara today after training, talking about uh, Drogba and what he brings to the training pitch. Um, look, uh, Grant, I think if there's any way, I agree, I think if there's any way that he can give you 45 to 50 minutes, like, go ahead, give it to me. There, there's, there's, there's. I have no issue with him coming on and giving me that. Even if you got to take him off at 50 minutes, that's fine. That's fine no, by I, me. I think you need to do that. What happens is, with him alone, whether he's fit or not,
1: he gives you two things, or gives you more than two things, gives you a few things. One, he's dangerous in the box. He's a big body, knows how to score goals. He's done it his whole career. He's done it when he's here in Montreal, so you know you're going to get that. Two, defending set pieces. He helps you out in the defensive zone for set pieces. He's another big body, and... Other teams have to respect who he is and what he can do. So therefore it creates more space for everyone around right. him. The question I would have is do you if you're going to start him if you're going to play him do you put him up top by it's himself not a question for or me. do you put another striker it's beside him? It's not a question him?
0: for me. Well, it, for me you got to put him up top by himself. I mean that's what worked last year. You know, yeah, you got dev- to if he's
1: up top by himself, that means he's got to do all the work and track back and he's got to you know channel people. If you have a second striker playing beside him, whose role is to do all that running for him, who does that, though? Well, then you would have Who's to get, on the roster? you know what? You'd have an aduro that, uh, you know, he's... In the last couple of games, he doesn't score, and, I, you know, he's gotten dangerous. He creates some opportunities by making the runs. You've just got to make sure that if you are going to play a guy like Drogba and he's not 100% fit, you make sure that he is not going to get hurt right. and set back. So, therefore, insulate him with guys that might do the running that he's not capable or not wanting
0: to do. Right. Uh, but I think there's... You, there's different ways that you can accomplish that. Like, there's different ways. You have to get everybody a little bit more committed. Like, last year, you remember, Grant, there were certain situations where Drogba would go back to the sideline, and how many times did I tell you guys doing a hit during the game that he's complaining that so-and-so isn't defending, Piatti's not defending. You know, so there's little ways you can avoid him having to track back as much, and it, it kind of has to do with everybody else kind of picking up their game defensively as well. But... At the same time, I see what you're saying. If he's not 100% fit, you know, I, I don't know. That's the thing. You if don't you're not get 100% hurt. fit, Grant, you can't, you can't start. That, well, that's my thing. Uh, see, the thing is, though, but you just said that if he was, if he gives you 50 minutes. Yeah, but I'm assuming he's 100% healthy, that he can give wow. me 50 minutes of what he's supposed
1: well, to do. Well, fit and healthy is different. I think he is healthy. But fit might be he might have to play himself into game fitness. You know, we you've got to be able to give me 50 minutes, 50 minutes, I think. But you're going to get 50 minutes. You're going to get set pieces. We saw how dangerous it was taking those set pieces. He gives you a dimension that you haven't had. He gives you the dimension of when the balls crossed into the box, even though they did score a goal. Kamara, you know, steps up and gets the first set piece for Montreal, which is great, Uh I just think he's a different dimension and other teams have to worry about him. Whether he's 100% fit and he's going to be the Drogba of what you saw last year or even, you know, a, a fraction of that, he's dangerous. And dangerous means other I teams agree. have to cover him. They have to, you know, game plan to slow him down. Can't give away set pieces. Can't give away any breaks because he will punish you. He's that good a talent.
2: Well, I think it's a process with Didier and uh, uh, for for him training with the group, obviously, uh Uh, this week will help for sure. He's worked really hard uh, with Yannick, our conditioning coach, for the last two weeks in getting fit. And uh, I see he's much more advanced than the last time he reintegrated
0: the group. You're listening to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Needham. And uh, that was the voice of Impact Head Coach, Mauro Biello. I like the formation they use now. I like the way the responsibilities are handed out, Grant. So that's why I'm not necessarily keen on making a change and going with the two strikers up top. Um, at the same time, I I, I need a change. Like, at a certain point, because there was a lot of times on Saturday, I need a change in terms of personnel. Personnel. Because All right, so you want to stay I want in the move, same system? I want just... to stay in the same system, but up top, Dominic Aduro as well as he played in the first two games... I found personally, there was a lot of times where he'd have the ball on his foot approaching the opposition's box on Saturday, and he cuts back, and he cuts away. Okay, but I
1: also saw that he was making these deep runs, dragging two or three defenders with him because he makes the diagonal run. He doesn't get the service, creates opportunities for other people right. that opens it up. So who else is going to do that? You know what? As great as Drogba is, he's yeah. not making that diagonal run no, 60 no, no, yards. No, no. Kinda, that's You don't want him to do things like that, and I understand, but... The game of football, the modern game of football is you don't go with one static formation and you you just plug and play players in there. You look at what you have, look who you're playing against, look where their weakest is. The key to winning games is to take your best players and put them against their weakest players. And if you match them up all the time, chances are you're going to win games. So the coaching staff, is not just to say, hey, take this guy out. You know what? Oh, Bernier's healthy. Becker comes out. Bernier slots in. Same system. It's a different dynamic, different players. So I think that you've got to be fluid in your formations. You've got to fluid right. in what you want to do. I just don't like the fact that they've gone away from keeping possession, making these short little passes. They were you know, sort of the, the ticky-tacky pass that we see Barcelona play. They're not Barcelona. Don't get me wrong. Don't go start quoting that. But I thought that they had aspects of the little game, short little passes, diagonal, making darting runs into the box. That's gone away. It's really now. Now, defend, defend, counter, catch you on the counter, and go. I don't know if that's because the personnel are injured, sick, not in the lineup, but if Montreal is going to be a dangerous team... They've got to have the possession aspect the defense defending aspect as a unit and the
0: counterattacking but possession seems to be missing in their repertoire right now so let me ask you Grant so just giving you getting you up to date I was at training today like I mentioned before uh, Lucas ontivero uh, dealing with a hip flexor injury that he suffered in training on Tuesday so he was jogging off by himself today uh, so his status up in the air if he can train with the team tomorrow then there's a chance that he can play in Chicago but right now we don't know. And Marco Donadel was at training, uh, his third training session with the team. Hasn't played since, I think, the first game. He played in Vancouver, and he hasn't played since. So, personnel-wise... What what would you like to but, see? What do you want to see well, from the Calgary
1: What the, the questions the, the the people you just talked about not being healthy. I see a team in Montreal that's actually deeper this year than they ever have been with quality players. I think Alexander and I was hard on Alexander the first couple of games. I thought he got caught in possession a few too many times. That is switched around. I think he's been solid. The less you well, he was him, good in Vancouver. You know role. what? But Vancouver's I think the less, best game. I thought the you know not the Dallas game. I thought the, you know, a couple other games he was a little bit better. I think he gets he's more comfortable in that role where he wins it, plays it, wins it. Plays yeah, that's it. what he's got He's not going to create. He's not going to be changing the you know creating and changing the the the, the attack from one side to the other. That's something that Donadel brings that no one else brings into the game. I think that Donadel brings that. Alexander brings a little bit more stability. He's good, solid position wise. These are the type of guys that the less we talk about them during the game, the better they're doing their job. And we didn't right. talk about Alexander too much because he was always in the right place, got it, played it. Obviously, Becker gets the goal from the midfield, which is fantastic for the young guy. You know, he's happy being in Montreal and, you know, after a 2 nothing win, getting right. the second. I thought exa- Alexander
0: was way more effective, though.
1: Way more effective. But I think that uh, he goes under the radar, and that's fine by him. He's a quiet guy, likes to do that. And, uh, you know, two years ago, He was a key guy in that New York team that was a very good team. Comes to Montreal last year a little bit, uh, sort of doesn't get the playing time that he was expecting to get, doesn't fit into the plans this year. Injuries or not, he has put himself in a position where the coaching staff says, I'm comfortable with him, let's leave him alone. I I have
0: a feeling that just based on what I saw at training, uh, just my gut feel from the sideline, I have a feeling that we're going to see a change in that, in those holding midfield spots, and I don't think Alexander is going to be the one to go. People were questioning why. Oh, why, why bring on Malice at the end of the game instead of Bernie When you're trying to get a fit, you're trying to get Bernie minutes. When ah. they pulled, when they pulled Harry Ship off, I personally think that they wanted to get Malice into the game because they're planning on having him start on the road. I think he's a, he's better in possession than than Kyle Becker.
1: I, I'm not disputing that. I think that, that I think you, you need that on the road. I think roll. that Malice is a guy that is going to shut down teams teams better than you know. If you were talking two years ago, I'd have said Patrice Bernier comes on to shut a game down, or if you need offense, he can give you that as well going forward. But I think that if you. If you brought on a malice, it's because you wanted to shut the game. The coaches said, this is a team. We're going to shut this game down now. Bring on a guy in the middle of the park that's going to run, bang people around and close the game off. And that's what they know they were going to get from, from a malice. They think they can get it from a from a Bernier. But I think you're going to go with a known commodity. You know that Malice is going to do this job. He's not going to hurt you defensively. He's going to track back. He's going to be solid. Big boy. Likes to win battles. That's what you needed to do at that point of the game. And I thought that this one was a better coaching effort by the coaching staff
0: than the other games previous. Coming up on The Impact this week on TSN 690, we'll get Grant's pro perspective as he'll break down certain situations from the Columbus game. You're listening to The Impact This Week with Joey Alfieri and Grant Needham. Welcome back. Impact This Week, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Needham with you. And you could chime in on Twitter if you agree. Probably disagree with Grant on a lot of what he's saying, and I wouldn't blame you. I'd probably uh, think a little more highly of you if you did that. So you can chime in on Twitter, at Joey Alfieri, at Grant Needham. Uh, Our Twitter question today, what lineup would you like to see the IMFC go with on Saturday? How many minutes for Drogba? How many minutes for Donadel? And uh, just getting back to the last segment, Grant, when we were talking about uh, Malice, uh, Alexander, Donadell those holding midfield spots. We've got a couple text messages coming in at 11690. Uh Joan St. Leonard says, Alexander is only a professional in North America. Let's call a spade a spade here. We need to spend that DP spot on a mid if we're going to get to the MLS final.
1: Thoughts? He's not, he's not I, I don't think he's wrong. I think there's nothing wrong with being a professional in North America. The MLS is one of those growing leagues and I think Alexander is a pro. He's a pro Agreed. player. he's you know he's solid he gives you what he gives you uh, and he is you know he's a guy that before the year, I had question marks first couple of games. Question marks were sort of being erased, and now I think he's a guy that you fl- slot into your lineup, and you don't miss a beat. I don't know if he if he's on my ultimate starting eleven of the Montreal Impact when everyone is healthy, but I don't mind him in that role he's playing right now. I think he's you know solid, gets gets the job done, doesn't hurt you. Defensively, does he sound, sits in front of everybody, plays the ball, he's comfortable with the ball at his feet, makes some good decision when he plays the ball out, when he plays it quick, not when he hangs on to it. But yeah, I think if you are gonna be a championship team, you have to spend your money wisely. I think you have to spend your money on a designated player that can win you a game. I'm not sure a holding midfielder is a guy that wins you a game. He doesn't lose you a game. But I'm going to spend my money on a guy that can score the winning right. goal. I'm a guy that's going to spend my money on a Dragba, on a Piatti, on a Giovinco. These are the guys that I want to spend my big designated money on. I don't know if I would be spending it on a keeper.
0: I wouldn't. We, sat, we had we've this already talked about that. That's
1: that's sort of listen for marketing reason. Absolutely, he's a great find for them. But I don't know if I would be spending money on that.
0: Okay, Grant. So in the last uh, last time we we spoke here, you said. Uh, The impact were just trying to defend, 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 and then go on the counter. Maybe explain that a little bit more for the people well, listening who, who don't understand why they would do that at home. Well, the thing is, I don't. That's the question: is I don't understand why they do it at home. I, this is a sort
1: of what pe- what teams do traditionally in the MLS on the road. They hunker down. They make sure they get everyone behind the ball, eight to ten guys behind the ball. Maybe leaving one or two guys up top to just, just as a sort of release valve, and then they just hunker down, give nothing away. They hope that they get the other team pushing forward, stretched out, trying to find a hole. And once that other team loses the ball, that's when the counter-attacking team gets into transition and runs. Montreal obviously has great players. When the ball gets into a Juro, Piatti, Ontivero, we saw it last year at times with Map when he was healthy. Montreal gets into those attacking zones and they're great in transition. Which is a strategy you try to use traditionally on the road? At home, where teams are going to sit back. You can't be the team that sits back and the other team spits back. We saw that in a hockey game. Remember, they're playing the trap, and then one, I think it was Tampa Bay with Guy Boucher. And no one was, no one was, any, scoring, no one was going to put pressure on the puck. That sort of, so you've got it. At home, you're there. It's so important to pick up three points at home. You've got to be on the front foot. And we've seen in the past where Montreal went on the front foot, attacking, winning the ball back in attacking. Positions and zones. That's when Montreal is most dangerous. The least amount of passes to get to an opportunity on the other side is the best offense you can do. So this sitting back and counterattacking, I understand it worked on the weekend. Two nothing. They shut down Higuain. They shut down Camara, and that was great. But moving forward, at home, you've got to pick up maximum points. And I don't think the strategy of counterattacking is going to get you too many victories. So are what they, do
0: you want to see then? Guys? I want to
1: see Montreal going back to what it was to, to uh, you know, the first two games of the season. Attack. Get numbers forward. Get these darting little guys. Montreal's not a big lineup. We've seen them struggle in set pieces. They are quick. They're very skillful when the ball is at their feet. They've got to get into the triangle. They've got to make sure that they're always supporting, always having different options. Guys moving around. Static is going to kill Montreal. They cannot be doing that. And they've gotten away from that a little bit, and they're relying too much on the counterattack. And I think if they're going to be dangerous at home, you've got to be possession. You've got to create opportunities. And on the road, if you want to play that counterattacking style and hopefully you pick up a break here and there and hang on, that's a little bit all right as well.
0: Right. You're listening to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Needham. Grant's giving us his pro perspective. You played... uh... A year or two, right, Pro Grant? I think something like that. Something yeah, a couple lines. of times. A couple of games here and there. Did he? I don't remember.
1: That's because you, were you weren't born yet when I was playing these Well, games. I mean,
0: I don't know if you're that old, but you're pretty old, but I don't know if you're that old. I'm getting up there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back on The Impact this week, a really special guest, the sideline reporter for Chicago Fire Broadcasts on uh, CSN Chicago. Uh, it's uh, Paul Tenorio, who will be joining us. He actually works on the same broadcast team as Frank Lopez. Frank Lopez is the color man on TSN Chicago now. Montreal remembers him, I think. I think so. It's not, It hasn't been that far away. When we come back, it's Paul Tenorio. As I mentioned, you're listening to The Impact This Week on TSN 690. Welcome back. Impact This Week, TSN 690. Joey Alfieri, Grant Needham with you till 8. And uh, the Montreal Impact heading to Chicago on the weekend and uh, you won't see Grant Needham smile more than he is right now. Because uh, Grant Needham has never met a deep dish pizza he did not like.
2: <laughs> so it's not a question <laughs> of truth. It's not truth. a question of if he'll have Joey, pizza. the truth. It's, it's a question Alfieri. of
0: how much pizza he will be having. It's not going to be uh, half as much as what Rick Moffat can eat. you yeah, I was throwing Rick under the bus. I'm oh, not talking about Rick. I'm talking about
1: you. We saw, actually, you know, on the last trip, we saw this pizza that if you could bring nine friends to eat this huge Jumbo pizza. Seattle? It was just on one, it was one of those ads it was on Facebook Oh Twitter okay. and it was a big pizza and it says you got to pick nine friends and we went around on the airplane. Moffitt was on every list and not
0: bottom of the list. Top 2. Moffitt is a designated player when it comes to eating. Oh yeah designated eater, eater, eater for sure. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's not great really good. He can't play uh, the full full game. But he can come off the bench and finish off pretty well.
0: I'm not sure if our next guest is a DP eater, but uh, he does cover the MLS for 442.com, and he's also the sideline reporter on uh, Chicago Fire broadcasts on CSN Chicago. He's Paul Tenorio. Paul, what's going on, man?
2: Oh man, you know I was just listening, and I had I had some deep dish pizza last night for dinner. Actually, oh. all right, Paul,
0: you're over <laughs> now. Let's. Just- <laughs> well done. What's on it? What's on your ideal deep dish?
2: Oh, I, I think if I had my ideal I would do sausage, onion, green pepper and, and pepperoni double up on the meat there. Nice. That would be my, my, my ideal.
1: Throw a little mushroom in there and I'm in.
2: <laughs> I'm 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 out of the mushrooms, but I'll I'll put it on half just for you, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, okay, enough about the food. Let's talk about the Chicago Fire. Uh, Paul, I'm looking at the first game and they give up four and since then they've only given up one goal. What's changed?
2: A lot, man. A lot's changed. I think the mentality of the team um, certainly changed, and and the focus, um, you know, they they really put an emphasis on defensive shape, uh, making sure that everything is organized in the back, and not just the back line, but the way the team defends. I think they're, um, you know, early this season, as as they still try to find the right pieces for this team to to really make it a a whole team and and improve from, from what they did last year. Um, it's a matter of trying to get results. And, and so the emphasis is that, you know, if we can keep a clean sheet, we can get we can get a result. You know, you, you're never going to lose if you don't give up a goal. So um, for me, I think the the biggest things have been uh, Matt Lampson has played fantastic in net. He had a really rough game, that opener against NYCFC, but he has been very, very good uh, in goals since then. I think Yohan uh the center back that's the Chicago signs, has been superb. He's been a leader for them. Uh, very, very smart player always in the right spots, understands how to read the game. Um, and and then the rookie, Jonathan Campbell, has been a very big pleasant surprise for them at center back. So, um, you know, I think it's a kind of a, a mix of the fact that the emphasis has been let's defend first and, and try to break out on the counter, but, let, you know, let's keep things clean in the back. Um, but also um, the strong play of, of those three individuals.
1: Paul Grant here. Uh, last, you know, this year Montreal has you know some sexy storylines. You've got Biello, the new coach. You've got Seymour, Defender of the Year back in you got re-ups. You've got Piatti playing lights out. People talking about him, and of course we have Drogba. What what's the sexy storylines for Chicago that makes people come out and watch this team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think right now it's about the fact of buying into something new. Right, they're they're trying to create an identity. Um, I think the hard part right now is that there's not a lot of attacking firepower. At These things haven't really clicked yet. I think, um, you know, the front office has kind of identified the, the pieces that are missing right now, and they've got two players that they hope to have in here uh, by the end of May, um, perhaps sooner, that I think will help a lot with going forward. But, but right now I think the you know, they're asking fans to buy in on the idea that you're going to see improvements. You're going to see a team playing good organized soccer and, and it might not be the prettiest that, that it'll be, um, but it, it's worth it's worth buying in now and, and seeing the process come through. And I, I, I think they're putting faith in some young players. You know, they've got some some young, talented players. I, the kid on the right back, Rodrigo, he had a pretty good defensive game against David Villa in this last no-nil draw against NYCFC. Like I said, Jonathan Campbell has been very good at center back. I think Matt Polster is a, a, a guy who can really, really advance his game in the next year or two if he understands where he needs to go beyond his ability to cover ground and play as a defensive midfielder, but now to take that forward to being a guy who can develop as a as kind of a deep-line playmaker. Um, and then, of course, when David Akam is on the field, this is a totally different team. We, we've seen um, that impacted more than anything else, as Akam not being there. But when Akam is on the field, I really, truly believe he is one of the most dynamic and exciting players to watch in this league. He is the type of player that that can make something out of absolutely nothing. We saw him terrorize NYCFC in the first game, and by the way, Chicago should have won that game five three five four six four. They had way more opportunity, um, and then of course the the goal he created out of nothing in Orlando, where, in Orlando, where he he chased down Seth Hines from 20 yards behind and beat him to the ball. So, um, you know, I, I think that there are there are aspects of this team that that. Maybe aren't right now the the most fun team to watch, but but certainly they're growing. And I think for me as a reporter, um, it's been fun to kind of watch some of these younger players learn the league, learn their roles, and and start to to develop a little bit more. But I'll be really interested to see how much this team changes as we get into May and June when these new faces join up.
0: He's Paul Tenorio. He's a sideline reporter for Chicago Fire broadcasts on uh, CSN Chicago. Paul, talk to me about it, Cam. Uh, I know it's he's got a knee issue. Uh, is he going to be available this weekend? What's the latest?
2: Yeah, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he plays. Um, you know, I, I don't know exactly what's going on. You know, they call it a knee sprain, and, and these things are very sensitive. Um, you know, you can feel good one day and then feel terrible the next. We saw him jogging last week. and thought, okay. this He's coming close to being ready. Maybe he'll be on the bench in New York, and then he didn't travel at all. Um, so, you know, I, I, until I hear differently, until I see him out there at training with full go, um, I'm going to anticipate that he's not going to be on the field. And, and it's frustrating, I'm sure, for com. It's frustrating for the fire because he does change everything for them. They can play the style that they're playing right now defensively and still be very effective in the counterattack because he is so fast and uh, so dangerous that teams have to respect him. But at the same time, He's such an important player that it's not worth throwing him on here early in the season, uh, making that knee injury even worse, and, and losing him for, for months instead of for, for a few more weeks. So um, I think they're being very, very cautious with him. And um, you know until he until he's back, they're going to start needing more of Gilberto, a forward who I think is capable of being a good goal scorer and just hasn't been able to find the net yet. And Kennedy Igbo Anike, uh, who, you know, usually is, is better placed as a winger who's kind of playing off of a target striker and you know, usually at has the advantage of being one on one with guys there's so much attention being paid to a on the other side. They need him to step up and be more of a goal scorer. So those two guys have a big responsibility as long as the comm is out.
1: Paul this is great again I yeah I know that uh, you know we have the same problems in, in Montreal they don't want to make sure that uh Drogba doesn't get into the lineup too early you don't want to push him into a situation where five games in six games in all of a sudden he misses you know an extended period of time so I can understand obviously with a in the lineup he's a much better team if anyone feels the pain of Chicago it's the Montreal impact two years ago 28 points the whole season last year bounce back year you know they make that run in the playoffs they get there they're one game away from you know one goal away really from getting into to play the final against portland what does chicago have to do to have that bounce back here i know you talked about not giving up too much but they got to get something going offensively
2: yeah no doubt that's the biggest key for me i think that they're at the very minimum two key pieces away i think they need another midfielder who they can pair uh with with Matt Polster a little deeper in the midfield, who can be more of a box to box, sideline to sideline guy, cover a lot of ground, um, eat up space, carry the ball forward at times. But I also think most importantly, they need a playmaker, um, somebody who can connect things, but somebody who can also put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, you know, I, I don't, it's very difficult, obviously, to find that type of player. Uh, Michael DeLue has been a name that's been connected very heavily with the Chicago Fire. He's with FC Groningen right now in the Eredivisie. divisier. He's their leading scorer, and uh, reports out of Holland this week are that he did opt not to sign, to re-sign with Groningen, and, and you know, the, the reports linking him to Chicago are growing stronger and stronger. So, you know, will he be that type of player? Sure, sure he's shown that he can score in the Air Divisier. Um That's more of an attacking league, but that's certainly a type of player that they need, and I think if they can get those pieces in, it would be huge positive steps for Chicago in the right direction now. Obviously, when you're building a team, you you need a couple more seasons, I think, with where Chicago was, but I I think those two pieces, uh, um, a box-to-box midfielder who, it looks like they're going to be signing out of the Hungarian First Division, and Michael DeLue coming out of Holland, could be two pieces that really helps bring them forward.
0: How surprised were you that they decided to part ways with Harry Shipp?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone was surprised, right? Anyone who's watched the league uh, thought that Harry Ship was the face of this franchise. He was the face of this franchise, and... Uh, For me, I wasn't even in Chicago yet. I was still down in Orlando when I saw it happen, and I was totally shocked. Uh, I don't think anyone saw it coming. Certainly, when you're rebuilding a team, I think you try to hold on to as much talent as you can. But, um, you know, I respect the idea that, hey, they looked at the situation. They felt like he wasn't a fit for for the style they eventually wanted to play. They had a good offer on the table from Montreal, and it was best for the franchise if they felt like he wasn't going to play. Um, then you're hurting the kid and his career. You're hurting his value if you're Chicago. Um, so you know, would it have been beneficial to to sit him on the bench and not have him play and then try to move him? Um, I don't think so. So um, you know, I, I I think certainly he's been a great fit in Montreal. I think he's played fantastic. I, you know, the last game was maybe his quietest game, but uh, the the first few games of the season, I thought he was a perfect fit for what Montreal is doing and. And, um, you know, I, I still think that people are a little bit surprised that he's not here in Chicago. But um, the team is, is moving forward without him. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see how motivated he looks on Saturday.
0: Uh, Paul, you've been working with uh, a man that uh, I guess Montreal fans know pretty well, in, uh, Frank Klopas. How is Frank? And uh, how's the transition to the media been for him? He, he's doing the color for CSN, right?
2: Yeah, no, Frank's great. I actually was over at his house earlier today watching the Barcelona Game Champions League. Um, you know, it's it's fun. It's it's it, in all my time in, in journalism and sports journalism. You know, you come across good people, and um, Frank is just one of the absolute best that I've come across in my career. So um, he's doing he's doing fantastic. I think he's learning a lot about uh, the media side of things. He's been having fun because he gets to still dive into tape and study the teams that uh, that are coming into town and try to break down what might be places where you can take advantage. It's just a little bit of a different role, not to actually be implementing that and training the next day. But uh, I can just tell you I've, it's been a pleasure for me to work with Frank. He's just one of the nicest guys ever. And uh, it's been awesome for me to be able to, to sit, um, sit down at his house and turn on film and, and listen to him pick apart tape and, and bounce things off of him. So he's, he's doing great here. He loves, he loves the city. Obviously he's got a lot of history here, so um, he, he's happy.
0: Thanks for doing this, Paul. Really appreciate the time, man.
2: No, thanks so much for having me on, guys, and look forward to seeing you this weekend. And uh, if you need any pizza recommendations, <laughs> just let me know. Wow, well,
0: yeah. I might need a pizza partner. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you might regret that offer, uh, Paul.
1: <laughs> thanks, Paul. All right, thanks, guys.
0: Paul Tenorio, he writes for four four two and he's a sideline reporter for Chicago Fire games on CSN Chicago. Really, really sharp guy. No, he's great. You know. He is the Giovinco of sideline reporters. I, uh, maybe he's the Piatti of sideline reporters. I think I'm the Giovinco of sideline I'm not sure reporter. which one I
1: would take then.
0: Well, I mean, it's because. Joey, get, I could never give you up. I could Granted, never give you, you up. it's because you get the nitpick. You see me week in and week out. So any little mistake I make. I expect perfection, Joey. That's right. But I expect perfection. So did all your coaches. And I'll tell you when you they did.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're having way too much fun here. You're listening to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Next, we got to touch base with Grant. Tell the people what we're doing. I believe it's uh, the number one food critic in North America. I don't think he's a critic. I think he'll eat anything. <laughs> the number one hot sauce uh, from the morning show the guys were talking about. hot. No one knows hot sauce like Rick Moffat. Nope, He, he is doesn't.
3: unbelievable. And Rick- he knows a little bit about sports as well.
0: A little bit. Rick Moffat coming up next on The Impact this week.
3: Impact clinging to a 1-0 lead of great opportunities to find the insurance goal. Venegas twice here. Since subbing on for Lucas Oliveira. here's how boys a Youngo getting forward, a up the right side, top right corner with a cross over Oduro. header back post side, Kyle Becker, go, Becker his first of the season and second career goal with the Impact, ring that goal bell, two 0 Montreal.
0: And that was all she wrote. Welcome back to The Impact this week. 2-0 win for Montreal on Saturday. And the silky smooth voice belongs to our play-by-play man for the Montreal Impact, Montreal Alouettes. That is Rick Moffat, And uh, as we referred to you earlier, Rick, uh, I think you've officially become a designated player eater here at TSN 690.
3: <laughs> well, when I heard uh, Grant suggest that I was a bigger Part of the broadcast uh i'm wondering if that's because uh we have a bit of a biggest loser weight loss challenge going on and, and who you know, is going winning to, rick? going to weigh-ins on road trips now that's not the grant needham uh, i've come to know and love over the last couple of years on the road
0: you got four weeks left rick four weeks left
3: and then <laughs> oh, i will man. be your
0: right hand man again
3: uh-huh
0: Rick. so uh pizza i mean uh, are you going to convince this guy to eat
3: uh, deep dish what's going on here yeah, I definitely got to order something up for him to try and uh, scuttle his... Uh, you know, otherwise, he's just going to be bragging about this uh, this weight loss regimen, you know? But uh, <laughs> look, uh, more important matters, obviously, with this road trip and trying to get uh, back to winning ways on a consistent basis.
0: So Rick, Drogba, Don Adele, they both trained today. Um, are you looking at those guys to start off the bench? How many minutes? What's your gut telling you?
3: Well, uh, I'd... You know, as fitting as it may be to withhold Drogba from a starting lineup until the Stad Saputo reopener a week from Saturday, you know what, if he's ready to go, just get him in there. Even if it's only for 50-55 minutes. Same with Marco Donadell. And in spite of uh, hearing that uh, goal highlight again on a terrific uh, header play from Kyle Becker getting forward, uh, you know, what is his role if it's to fill the gap as a holding midfielder, Uh, apart from getting forward on that play after uh, Malice had had come on and really some shifts had been done in the midfield, I really don't know how much better he was than the previous week. So to me, if Donadel's ready to go, it's probably more settling to have him alongside Alexander. And again, I'd love to see Patrice Bernier uh, find some time. We know what Bernier did. Uh, in that late-season push to the playoffs and, and into the conference semifinal.
1: Well, Rick, you and I have argued back and forth off the air, on the air, about Ontivero, Venegas. Has he done enough? Last year, I was I was one of the guys that was disappointed with Venegas. I thought when he came over from, uh, from Costa Rica, he was going to be impact. He was great in the Champions League against Montreal. And he came over and he seemed to sort of... Fly under the radar. Didn't really get uh, get involved. This year, we've seen a different Venegas. It's You know, limited time. He's been coming on. He's been explosive. He's been offensive. He's been looking to get forward. Ontivero, obviously, you know, youngster. He was dynamic until he gets goes down with an injury. Venegas or Ontivero for you?
3: Well, for me, Venegas Look, he's got the international experience. I just love the explosiveness and the compete level of Ontivero from from the opening minutes of his MLS debut. And you know what? Maybe he's got a bigger upside, ultimately, uh, on Tivero. But right now, Venegas. you know, it's funny. Last year, Grant, I thought it was a case in that second half once he started to get some opportunities. I thought he was just trying to prove himself too much. And I think he seems more relaxed now. He's been around the league a bit. He knows Montreal. Uh, He's got a comfort level. Uh, not just with the South American players on this team, the strong Argentinian uh, contingent there, uh, but he's got other friends on this club. And and I don't think he's he's feeling the urgent pressure to prove himself or to beat guys one-on-one or even one-on-two every time he touches the ball. But, oh, my goodness, uh, expected better finish from him on a couple of late-game opportunities. He he kind of Ernie Els' uh, six-putted uh one opportunity in the box there and couldn't stuff it uh, beyond the keeper. But uh, I do believe that Venegas has yet to show us his best. And, and for me, Antivero has really been uh, a discovery. And, you know, if if he can hang on to a fitness level and a starting job, uh, it won't surprise me that we're talking about him come October in the debate for rookie
1: of the year in MLS. Rick, Joey and I have been arguing back and forth. Drogba's fit to go. You play Drogba up top by himself, or you switch the formation around, try something different, play four-four-two, put a second striker up top for the to help him out. I say that you can't be stuck in just one system. You've got to be a little bit more fluid. Joey likes to have the ability to play with the one striker up top. Your thoughts?
3: Well, it depends who that striker is going to be. Uh, and you know what? Oduro... Uh, on a 4-4-2, I'm not so sure that that's his best positioning. I'm not so sure that's a scheme that fit a formation that fits him. Uh, you know, who else would it be then? Would you put Piatti forward in that kind of people role? People are talking that about Jackson Amell. Jackson uh, Amell
1: up top. I'm not sure if he's ready, no. but people talk about him.
3: No, I don't think he's ready at all for that. Uh, and, and you know what? It comes down to me. If you're going to start Drogba and you're contemplating formation changes, I think you put it to the man himself and say, look, what are you most comfortable with? What, you know? I think you give him a lot of input, and, uh, and I just don't know uh, that Anthony Jackson or Mel, he's got to do an awful lot of growing before he's ready to be uh, starting up top with DJ.
0: Rick, I think we've got a lot of impact talk, uh, talk coming up this week between now uh, and the end of the Saturday game against Chicago, right?
3: Yes, Evan Bush going to join us at nine thirty on the morning show uh, tomorrow. Grant, I know that you love the Assun Kamara goal as the highlight of the game, the the shutout buster after what was it, two hundred twenty eight minutes. But for me, uh, I you know, hey, uh, I lean toward uh, the spectacular goaltending in the NHL as my favorite plays, and I love watching the keepers all across MLS. To me, the play where uh, Bush on a, a Columbus set piece came flying forward aggressively without hesitation, and uh, and the punch he threw to parry that ball away from Kai Kamara, I mean, that would have uh, Manny Pacquiao uh, you know, uh, <laughs> confirming his retirement plans if he sees a right like that uh, from Evan Bush on a consistent basis and i think i think in terms of the impact moving forward of a single play to me it's yeah the way evan bush was able to you know brush off the week previous week's disappointments and just say all right if i've got to be more determined if i've got to be more ferocious and be the man we can count on to defend set pieces i thought that play in particular might be more important for the club moving forward
1: typical, a goalie ba- backing another goalie.
3: <laughs> I'm a ledge goalie, so that's <laughs> all.
0: Your, that, your opinion doesn't count anymore, Rick. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Rick, and uh, have a safe trip to Chicago. Enjoy.
3: Thanks, boys, and yeah, expanded coverage now uh, for your impact. Uh, hour-long countdown to first kick from Chicago at four, and we'll have a solid hour post-game to digest whatever happens Saturday afternoon in Chicago. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, boy. you, Rick.
0: Grant, your thoughts? Uh, you want to wrap this thing up here? I think that uh, Montreal gets back in the winning ways on
1: the road again. You think I think so? that, uh, you know, coming off 2 nothing win at home, they carry the momentum. Big man Drogba comes up top. He scores in this first game back, set piece. Wow. Okay. Free kick goal. Yeah, wow. gets his fourth of the season, and Montreal comes away with a 2 nothing win. Bring back a deep dish pizza, right? I don't there's care no, about this. There's the no chance that's coming back. Wow.
0: You've been listening to The Impact this week on TSN 690. Special thanks to Paul Tenorio, a sideline reporter for the Chicago Fire who joined us earlier, Rick Moffitt, play-by-play voice, right here on TSN 690.